Welcome to the Genealogy Gems Podcast. It's a show filled with family history research strategies and techniques, news and entertainment, and inspiration. And I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Hello and welcome to Genealogy Gems Podcast episode number 208. It is the end of September of 2017. I'm just back from New York City, where uh, I got together with Beth Forrester at Animoto, and we invited Diane Southard, your DNA guide, to join us to put on a kind of a brand new, unique kind of a webinar, one that was filled with uh, multimedia and all kinds of new and innovative ideas. And, and well, we sort of tried to break the internet. Now, I know I keep telling you guys that's not possible. And you can't break your computer. But we actually didn't quite accomplish breaking the internet. But we did a pretty good job of crashing the webinar platform that we were using. (laughs) And I know that many, many of you registered for that free webinar. And so you were probably along for the ride. But the good news is that even with a record-breaking 4,000-plus genealogists that signed up for the webinar, and I think we had about 1,500 who had gotten in before it absolutely crashed. The good news is, is that we learned an awful lot about this brand new webinar platform and some of the challenges. And even though we were in a professional studio with all professional equipment and hardwired into the best internet connection available in New York City, it's amazing how all the testing in the world that we did didn't amount to a hill of beans when it came to going live. (laughs) So I call it a really positive thing. I know Beth looked at me a couple times and went, Oh my gosh, why are you guys so calm? But Diane and I both really felt like, you know what, we knew that we had put everything we possibly could have into uh, creating an amazing and exciting webinar for all of you. And if it wasn't going to come together, panicking or throwing a fit wasn't going to help. And I know that I coach all of you listening that when you have to deal with the trials and tribulations of technology, that try to keep a calm, cool head, try to think through logically what it is that you're doing, what it is that the technology is doing, and keep persevering because... You know, this is a wild west of technology in a lot of ways. We're, we're doing a lot of things for the very first time in history. And the really positive thing that came out of it was that we ended up with an amazing quality video in the end. During the webinar, it was all choppy and the audio was messed up. And, you know, it was funny. People in Sweden were listening and watching and they were having no problem. Somebody else in, you know, Topeka, Kansas was having all kinds of trouble. I mean, we had uh, people from around the world, and their experiences ran the gamut. So clearly, we are not in charge of the internet yet. Yet, right? The the really amazing thing that came out of it, like I said, was that when it was over, it crashed about 45 minutes into it. We just kind of regrouped. And we said, okay, we got out on Facebook, we sent out an email to everybody on the list, because we couldn't get back in the chat room, unfortunately. And we let everybody know, hey, we're working on it. And then we stayed put in the studio, and we worked 
well into the night that night, and we recorded the entire thing over again from start to finish and did a huge amount of post-production work and got all the videos and all the original content that was planned was put in. And it came out exactly as we had envisioned. It wasn't live, which is what I was envisioning, but that's okay because, you know, stuff happens. And the goal here was to come alongside all of you and help you to fill in the gaps of your family's story and to reveal that really amazing, unique story through a very compelling medium, which is video. So in the end, we did create a pretty darn nice video and we got all of it out to you who had registered and I hope that you definitely open that email. It's not just the full length video, which is a full solid 90 minutes. It's super high quality. Plus, in that email, take a look for it if you didn't, you know, open it yet in your inbox because there were handouts. We announced winners for all of the prizes. We had some very special deals for you and discounts. Uh, there were a lot of awesome things that, that did eventually all come together. So you know what? If a door gets shut, you jump out the window and you keep keep on trucking. And that's what we did. We have uploaded this video class, this 90-minute session, if you will. I don't know what quite what to call it because it was such a unique thing. You just have to see it to see what I'm talking about. We just used video in some very unique uh, new ways and had some great ideas for using your DNA, as well as Google searching and other types of strategies to kind of pull it all together and then create an amazing video really quickly and easily that you could share with your family and your friends. And there's so many uses for video these days. Um, So that's on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. It's uh, youtube.com slash genealogy gems. And you will want to be looking for the reveal your unique story video. I am trying to get it on the homepage but you might have to search within the playlist. We will also have a link directly to it in the show notes for today's episode number 208. So you can go straight there. Also be sure to check out the description that's under the video because we've got more information and extra links to resources and all kinds of good stuff for you there in case you didn't get registered. The big advantage for registering for the events like that when they come up is one, you kind of get to be part of our big (laughs) beta test. But but two, we had a lot of great perks for the folks who did register. And I can assure you we will have more in the future as we continue to kind of refine this whole process and figure out what the best way is to accommodate all of the people who wanted to be a part of it, and to have a system that can support that. So we'll keep on working on that. But you know, it was humbling. And it was a great reminder of what it's like to face the challenges of tech. And don't let technology get you down or overwhelm you. You know, I I wasn't panicked. My poor husband and my daughter Hannah were at home like, mortified and petrified. They couldn't, it was like watching a train wreck that they couldn't help us. (laughs) They couldn't keep us on the rails. But I told them later after the fact, I said, you know, it's okay, you live and you learn. And the one thing that Diane and Beth and I all were completely in alignment on was that no matter what, the end result was going to be a really quality piece of content for you to help you in your family history research. That matters that's everything to us. It truly is everything. 
and everything in today's show. Let's talk about that, what we're going to be talking about. We got some great comments from you, um, an inspiring Google book success story, how one listener gets her shy husband talking about his life story. Maybe you've got a shy relative. Uh, I think her ideas will come in handy. And a listener's own version of the poem, Where I'm From. You'll probably recognize that title. We'll talk more about that. Tips on getting started on Swedish genealogy. And the archive lady, oh boy, she is popular here. And she's here to talk to us about scrapbooks. You thought of scrapbooks as being something you go to the archive to find? These are not the ones we've made ourselves, but these are historical ones that might be at archives, and they might be packed with genealogy gems for you. So she's going to tell us more about that. And I have a story that I absolutely fell in love with. It's about a genealogy hero who saved a life story. And I know you're going to love this one. But first, let's do a quick update about Roots Tech 2018. It's just around the corner. And in fact, registration is now open for Roots Tech 2018. This is the biggest genealogy conference of the year, and it happens in Salt Lake City. The buzz has already begun. In 2018, they are calling it Connect and Belong. And it's going to be on Wednesday, February 28th through Saturday of March 3rd, 2018. So this is a full four days of conference. It's hosted by FamilySearch.org. You can register online and now is a good time because they have early bird pricing. So we will have a link directly to that or you could probably just go over to RootsTech.org and find that. So make plans for sure to come by and say hello to us on Wednesday evening at the Expo Hall Preview. Now they're going to have that from 6 to 8 p.m. We'll be partnering again with Family Tree Magazine and your DNA guide will be there. And we will be doing in-booth presentations as we have done before. And of course, some new and innovative su- surprises that you can look forward to. Check out the show notes for a link to my Roots Tech Q&A. We've got your questions and our answers for you to help you make the most out of going to Roots Tech. All right, well, let's head over to the mailbox and find out how Pat gets her shy husband to do a family history interview. That's coming up next.
Okay, well, here in the mailbox, Pat sent me an email. It's kind of a fun follow-up to my blog post, which we also featured in our newsletter. It was about the um, Remembering Dad video that I did with my husband, Bill. So Pat wrote, I enjoyed your article about trying to interview your husband, who is shy about being interviewed. My husband and I found a painless way to do an interview. When we are traveling, he gets sleepy if no one's talking to him. So I decided that interviewing him in an informal way about events in his life would serve two purposes. He wouldn't get sleepy, and I would get information about his life story. I take my iPad when we're traveling, and as I ask him questions, I type his responses into Pages. That's the uh, Apple app that she's talking about. It's called Pages. It's kind of like Word. She says, usually one question leads to another, so we seldom run out of information. He enjoys reminiscing about the past, and I enjoy hearing it, since he seldom mentions it without being prodded. When we get home, I polish up what I've written, and I transfer it to my computer. I store it in a folder labeled Don's Life. Eventually, we'll have enough to write the story of his life with lots of pictures, and it's completely painless. I think that is a wonderful idea. If you go on road trips, maybe over the holidays or even planning for next summer, you know, whenever you get that chance, wow, what a wonderful time. And it's a good thing to keep the driver awake, don't you think? <laughs> so great strategy, Pat. Thank you so much for writing in and sharing that. And I have a success story here that someone messaged to us on Facebook. So I wanted to share this with, with you. This is from Kim. And she says, Lisa, I keep meaning to write and thank you. Though I'm not a novice around the computer and how to use Google, I enjoy listening to all your podcasts and trying to watch all your webinars. A couple of years ago, I watched one of your webinars about using Google and more specifically, Google Books. And here is what I found. My four times great grandmother died in 1830 giving birth. Her name is somewhat common and the circumstances surrounding her death was common as well in those times. I have pictures of her husband, and I learned a lot about him. Since they lived not far from me, I have been down to the private cemetery many times and found it odd that many of her children and grandchildren that died far from here had memorial stones erected in this small cemetery. After listening to you, I gave Google Books a try with her name and found an elegy in a spiritual magazine. Though this was for a woman with the same name in the same province, this of course didn't prove it was her, and the elegy was published six years after her death. So I read this long poem someone had written at the end was an anecdote that explained a part of the poem. It said, quote, This alludes to an interesting and affecting circumstances took place in her life about 12 months previous her death. Three of her children died within three days of each other and were all buried in the wood adjoining her dwelling. This spot, she said, should be enclosed and consecrated as the family burying ground, so that where her dear children lay, her own mortal remains should be entombed. Unquote. Bingo, Kim says. She died August 31st, 1830, and in September 1829, from the 5th to the 11th, she lost three children. Though it wasn't within three days, this was close enough for me to say, yes, this is about her. The cemetery makes sense, and I have this beautiful elegy that explains other parts of her life 
to frame on the wall next to her husband's picture. How beautiful is that? Thanks again, Lisa, for all your hard work and time to keep us all learning new and exciting ways to search our families. Well, I I love this. I mean, I, I just think Google Books is amazing. And I love hearing when those of you listening go out and put into action what I'm talking about here on the show. I mean, that's just phenomenal. In fact, I was looking, I think I got a notification that somebody had tagged me on a, on a Facebook message. And she was sharing a blog post that I recently published on the website. And she ended up getting messages from other people. Like one person wrote, thank you so much for the reminder. I just looked here again. She's talking about it, Google Books. And I think I've solved part of a 30-year brick wall. <laughs> I mean, this was amazing. And so she um, posted a clipping from the book. Of course, when you're in Google Books, you can clip the article or the piece of the page that you want to share. And then more people started chiming in. And one says, uh, I found a relative mentioned in a Scottish book, which had listed names from a World War I honor roll. I did not know that he had served in World War I. This, of course, led me to find other sources for his service history. <laughs> Another person wrote, OMG, I typed in my ancestor's name and place name and up came a result. And she just has this, it's like a smiley face, but she looks shocked. Okay, it's a shocked smiley face. I love this. You know, when when you take something that you hear or you read and you and you take a second and give it a shot and to see what can happen is just phenomenal. So thank you, Kim, for sharing your experience. And I love hearing all the experiences on Facebook. And finally, here in the mailbox, you know, it's it's never too late for a really great genealogy gem. And this one comes quite a while after we first shared the poem, Where I'm From which was by the poet laureate from Kentucky, Georgia Ella Lyon. And we did that back in 2015. You can hear the poem read by the author herself back in Genealogy Gems podcast episode 185. Well, back then we ran a contest and I encouraged all of you to write your own version of the poem. And as you may recall, we got some really wonderful entries. Well, recently I received an email from Tom Boyer, and he had written his own Where I'm From poem. And so it, it's wonderful. I've invited him to share it with you here himself. Here's Tom. This is a poem I wrote in response to a article on the Genealogy Gems podcast from several episodes ago. Great article about writing your short little history in a poem form. It's called uh, Where I'm From. Home means Nevada. Home means the hills. Home means the sage and the pines. Nevada State Song. I'm from the indescribable rain-fresh smell of Nevada sagebrush out towards Pyramid Lake. Land of blue-bellied lizards basking in the sun and a donkey named Bambi. Riding a yellow school bus 20 miles each way, stopping at the Mustang River Ranch to get my buddy. Mom would never let me play at his house. I'm from a diesel submarine and a smirched trip off Vietnam. 80 shipmates, a dozen or so I remember today. And another 20 plus years as a Navy Reserve Officer. 
hundreds of shipmates, Seabees, few of them I can remember. I'm from my high school sweetheart's family, a father-in-law I never knew, a mother-in-law who was amazingly upbeat regardless of the hand she was dealt, three sisters-in-law who were more like daughters, and a brother-in-law taken from us much too early, cancer. Finally, I'm from my own clan, parents of the greatest generation who lived a depression in a world war, keepers of the American dream, an older sister to keep me in line, a younger brother to pester. Extended family that includes yet another brother-in-law taken from us much too early, cancer. Two of my own and their four offspring, keepers of where I'm from, Tom Boyer in Olympia, Washington. Thanks a lot. Wasn't that terrific? Oh my gosh. Thank you to Tom, to Kim, and to Pat for writing in and sharing. I hope that you found a genealogy gem here in the mailbox. probably found wonderful old photos and documents in your research, but that's not exactly exciting stuff to your kids and your grandkids. The truth is, the non-genealogists in our families aren't captivated by the same things we are, but you can change all that with Animoto.com. Start creating fabulous videos about your family history that they won't be able to resist. And you don't have to have any special skills. With Animoto, you drag and drop your files in, like photos and even video clips. Pick from their professional styles and huge music catalog, and voila, you've got an awesome video. I've made dozens of these, and my family loves them. Hey, my grandson didn't mention the Legos that I gave him for his birthday, but he did thank me for the video that I made. You've got to try this out for yourself. Visit Animoto.com. As I travel the world talking about genealogy, folks are always stopping me and asking for my advice on organizing and securing their family history research. And my standard answer is plant your family tree in your own backyard and share branches online. Planting your tree in your own backyard, it means keeping one master family tree in a software file right there on your own computer. That gives you ownership, control of privacy and security, and one central place to organize everything that you learn about your family. And of course, my software of choice and the one that I use is Roots Magic. I find that its tree building tools are second to none. And with Roots Magic web hints, you can see what record hints are available on Family Search, Find My Past, and My Heritage. And now you have the ability to synchronize your Roots Magic database with your ancestry tree and get those ancestry.com web hints right there inside of Roots Magic. These are features that are really critical and they're exclusive to Roots Magic. So plant your tree today in Roots Magic and watch it grow. Get started at rootsmagic.com. 
Hello, this is Melissa Barker, the Archive Lady. Scrapbooks. Scrapbooks are one of my favorite record sources to do genealogy research in. And it's also one of my favorite record sources to process in the archives. There are all kinds of scrapbooks. Each and every one is unique and one of a kind. They were put together with love and the hope that what was saved and pasted onto those pages will be remembered. The origins of scrapbooking is said to go back to the 15th century in England, and it is still a hobby enjoyed by many today. Most archives, libraries, historical and genealogical societies have scrapbooks in their collections. They will most likely be found in the manuscript collection as part of a specifically named collection. Scrapbooks contain all kinds of wonderful genealogical records and photographs and ephemera. Guess what? There is even a scrapbook in the Houston County, Tennessee archives where I am the archivist that has a candy bar wrapper in it. Yes, that's right. A candy bar wrapper. This particular scrapbook is one of my absolute favorite scrapbooks. It was compiled and owned by Miss Evelyn Ellis and dates to the 1930s and 40s. Among the normal newspaper clippings and event programs, there are interesting pieces such as a Baby Ruth candy bar wrapper. Can you believe it? There is also a handwritten note by Evelyn herself that reads, Always remember June 11th, 1938 at Beach Grove at the Ice Cream Supper. Remember back when they used to have ice cream suppers? There's also an original ticket pasted into the scrapbook from, get this, from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee, where Evelyn Ellis visited and recorded her comments on April the 1st, 1939. There are scrapbooks for just about any subject. Aside from personal scrapbooks, you can find war scrapbooks, obituary clipping scrapbooks, and scrapbooks that collect and record local or national events. The obituaries found in scrapbooks could be a real find because sometimes they are the only pieces of the newspaper that survive and can be a treasure trove for any genealogist. Many scrapbooks contain one-of-a-kind documents and photographs. To find a scrapbook in an archive, ask the archivist if they have scrapbooks. Go to the source. Ask the archivist. Many times scrapbooks are housed with a particular manuscript collection and will be listed in the finding aid. Some archives have a collection of just scrapbooks. They have put all of the scrapbooks in their collections and put them in one spot. Many times these scrapbooks have been donated and they're easily accessed for the genealogist. Most scrapbooks will not be on research shelves out in the open, but they will be stored in back rooms at the archives and will have to be requested. You should also check the archives online catalog for any listings of scrapbooks before you jump in the car and drive to the archives. 
I encourage all genealogists to check with the archive in the area where your ancestors were from and see if they have any scrapbooks in their archived records collections. Scrapbooks are like time capsules. You don't know what will be found in them until you open them up. Until next time, this is Melissa Barker, the Archive Lady. Remember, it's not all online. So contact or visit an archive today. MyHeritage.com is your home for global genealogy research. The site boasts the most geographically diverse membership in the world, with a strong presence in many European countries. Search for cousin connections worldwide among more than 86 million people on a site that operates in over 40 languages. Powerful proprietary search technologies at MyHeritage.com dig deeper and with greater accuracy into billions of historical records and online trees. This is the only major genealogy website that offers automated hinting on possible matches in digitized historical newspapers. And now MyHeritage offers autosomal DNA testing too. They're jumpstarting their DNA database by inviting members to upload their own and by sponsoring tests in certain parts of the world. I'm looking forward to the geographical diversity I anticipate from their DNA data. So head on over to MyHeritage.com and expand your global genealogy research. That's MyHeritage.com. We came across this article recently online. It was over at the SWVA, which I believe is Southwest Virginia Today website. It's at swvatoday.com. And this article is by Margaret Linford. She's a professional genealogist, and she's the president of the Smith County Genealogical Society. Margaret's article is called String of Pearls, Marion's Bob White Shares Family History Collection. And Marion is a town there in Southwest Virginia. This came out on July 4th of 2017. I want to talk about things that we can pull from this story. It's it's really inspirational. She starts out, A few months ago, a man walked into the library asking if I'd be interested in digitizing the family history collection of one of his friends, Bob White. He explained to me that Bob's health was deteriorating. He was concerned about the genealogy he had compiled over the course of a lifetime. Where would it go? Would anyone be able to benefit from it? The last thing he wanted was for it to collect dust and be of no use. Ah, Do you identify with that? (laughs) I've had that happen to me. I've had people come up and say that they have collections of friends. And in fact, I've shared with you the story that Amy Ehrman shared with us over in Arizona about a woman in her genealogical society who passed away very suddenly after 50 years of research and wanting to preserve that. So this is a topic, as you can tell, that's already very much on all of our minds. It's the preservation of our family history. Here's Margaret. I explained to the gentleman that I would be happy to digitize the collection and make sure it was available for the rest of the community. A few weeks later, I walked into my office and saw two clear totes full of binders, books, and folders waiting for me at my desk. 
I eagerly began to sort through the collection and formed a distinct impression of Bob. He was meticulous in his research and organization of his genealogy. Few people can claim such a high standard of accuracy in their family history work. The items that had been donated were a real treasure to those who had ties to his family tree. Now, I want to stop and think about that for a second. If you've sat in on um, any of my live sessions, you've watched some of the videos here on Premium, you know that I talk about the perception that we create in the minds of other people about our genealogy research. And in one in particular, I talk about how to save your research from destruction. And one of the ways that we do that is that we do take action to help people formulate the right perception and understanding of our research, even in our absence, which is a big challenge, right? So I talk about in that saving your research from destruction class that if suddenly passed away, and your family walked in and they just saw cardboard boxes and stacks of unorganized things on your desk. Am I describing your home office? I hope not. I hope not. But it happens to the best of us, right? We get really enthusiastic and we find lots of great stuff. But if they walk in and they see some, somewhat of a disarray, then there's already instantaneously, even subconsciously, a perception that, uh, this is interesting, but it wasn't really worth a whole lot of extra meticulous effort. Margaret walks away from looking at Bob's research as being highly valuable, right? That he was a meticulous researcher, that this would be, in her words, a real treasure. Ah, genealogy gems, right? We want our research to be understood as real treasures. And that's why, folks, we have to invest some time on a regular basis into the organization of our materials, in our source citation, in taking the time to put our items into acid-free sheet protectors and getting them into binders in a somewhat organized fashion. Doesn't have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. And we don't want to take too much time away from research, right? But by doing this on a regular basis, we actually do make our research life a bit easier. And we are already proactively cultivating the perception of family and perhaps non-family. Think about this. In Bob White's situation, Margaret's not even family. So this is a tough sell. How do you sell the importance and the preservation of research that doesn't even pertain to Margaret? You do it through the meticulous work and care that he clearly put into it for years and years. And it resonated with her, and she understood and felt motivated. That's the key here. We're trying to motivate people to take care of our legacy. So let's think about that as we move forward through this wonderful article by Margaret. She says, last month, I had the privilege to go to Bob's home and interview him about his life and the genealogy he had donated to the library. His health had deteriorated substantially, but he agreed to speak with me for a few minutes. During the course of our conversation that day, I learned a great deal about Bob and his values. He was born on February 7th, 1933, to James and Nora Parsons White. He was raised in Marion which I believe she's talking about Marion, Virginia, 
and married Willie Mae Wright on May 16th of 1952. He was 19 years old. She was 17. As he fondly spoke of her, a light came into his eyes. He recalled what a wonderful wife she was and how much he missed her. When she died on December 19th, 2003, they'd been married for 51 years. Margaret goes on to share his background, and I want to share it with you because you got to get to know Bob. (laughs) I got to know him through reading this article, and he's a pretty awesome guy. Bob enlisted in the Army and served from 1953 to 1955, having the opportunity to play baseball while in service. He recounted stories of playing ball in Germany and France and explained to me that he had been given the opportunity to pitch in the playoff game between Germany and France in 1954. When he came home from serving in the Army, he continued to play baseball for a Marion team. He asked if I realized that Nolan Ryan started pitching here in Marion. Baseball was one of Bob's great loves. He also noted how much he enjoyed singing with the Joyful Noise Singing Group in Marion. He told me how he started singing in a church choir at the age of 15. He found great joy in singing with a group and participating in the Joyful Noise Choir from 1992 until 2016. He lamented the fact that he hadn't been able to sing with them for a while. Bob explained his fascination with genealogy. He said that he became interested in family history when he started working with a cousin, Helen Meyer. He said that she had a high standard in her genealogy research, and that is how he learned to be so meticulous. There had to be proof for every name and date. They worked together to compile the family history that he had donated to the library. The surnames included in his collection included Salt, Pafford, Parsons, Marchand, Catron, Wright, White, and many others. Did you hear one of yours in there? You better get in touch with Margaret. (laughs) I'll have her email at the end of this. Don't you love this, that he starts working with another researcher? She's meticulous, has an immensely high standard, and this rubs off on him. You too, my dear Genealogy Gems listening, have the ability to make that kind of a difference as well by implementing excellent organizational skills, by taking the time to very carefully cite your sources. You are actually setting an example and leaving a bit of a legacy in the genealogy community because people see this and it strikes them, oh, wow, there's a difference between her genealogy and her genealogy. I'd like to be like this one. You're setting an example. And we never know who we're going to see. And and think about your, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, the descendants who are going to see your work. And we want them to continue it, right? Well, let's have them continue it in a really top-notch kind of way. And that's what you're laying the foundation for today. Margaret goes on to say, as I scanned the White family binder, I found several items of interest. There are several photocopied pages of the Robert White and Minerva Pafford White family Bible. This is of particular importance to the Pafford and White families because it lists a record of births from the early 1800s. And here's how Margaret explains why that is so critical. Births weren't officially recorded in the state of Virginia until 1853. 
these Bible records may be some of the only existing Bible records for this family. And that is so true. That is why the family Bible is so critical. Here in the US, you know, those official records sometimes started quite late, relatively speaking. It's the family Bible and the recording of these births that bring us back perhaps another century in birth records. And so even if this Bible doesn't affect this writer's particular genealogy research, she knows the value of these family Bible birth and death and marriage records. And uh, whenever we see these, if somebody ever hands you their research, and you can't keep it all, look for these kinds of records. These are invaluable. And these need to get scanned just like she was doing and get them up online where other people can find them. You never know whose family you're going to touch with this kind of effort. Margaret goes on to say that within Bob's collection of documents, there is an obituary of Mabel Delina White. She was born in 1922 and died in 1926. The obituary says, On last Wednesday, our community was shocked when a message came from Abingdon Hospital that little Mabel White had passed to the great beyond. She was too fair for earth, so God transplanted her in that heavenly garden he had prepared for his loved ones. Little Mabel only remained in her earthly home for four years one month, and 24 days. God left her there just long enough to make an impression on our hearts forever. Hardly does it seem possible she is gone, but her playful form and sweet songs will be seen and heard no more on earth. This bright, innocent one had to pass through intense suffering, which we cannot understand. They don't write obituaries like they used to, do they? (laughs) There are many other obituaries, Margaret says, and memorial cards within this collection of family history. Also included are marriage certificates, pedigrees, family group sheets, biographies, Bible records, and correspondence. One item within the White family binder shows the deep connection between his family and Brunswick. And I believe she's talking about the Brunswick Corporation in Virginia. Bob worked at Brunswick for 37 years in the inventory and and production control departments, and he retired in 1993. I didn't realize that his father, two uncles, and a brother also worked for Brunswick. There's a page of profiles from the Marion plant that sheds light on his family and their work. Quote, Brothers Three Leon, Robert, and James White are all employed at Brunswick's Marion plant. It is interesting how closely the lives of these three brothers parallel. All three were employed by the Virginia Lincoln Corporation for several years prior to the time they joined Brunswick when the company bought the Lincoln property. They all worked in the mill room, and each one is considered an expert in his job. Leon is general foreman of the mill room. Robert is a cutoff saw operator, and James is a rip saw operator. Ask any one of them how he prefers to spend his leisure time, and he'll tell you, watching baseball. Unquote. It goes on to say, in addition to his regular job, once each year, Leon White has added responsibility. That of playing Santa Claus at the annual Brunswick Children's Party. Having done this for so many years, he's getting the name of Santa. 
After working hours, Robert White spends his time taking care of his vegetable garden and farm animals. His neighbors all say he has the greenest thumb they know. The proof is in the outstanding gardens that he produces each year. James White has two sons at the Marion plant, in addition to his two brothers. Son Boz is employed in the office production control department, and son William is employed in the mill room. Unquote. She says, this description of the White brothers and all of the other items that Bob collected throughout his lifetime will serve future family genealogists as they attempt to understand the lives of their ancestors. When I asked Bob what prompted him to donate his family history collection to the library, he said that he felt it was better for it to be made available to the entire community. He said, it is important to learn who you are and what your heritage is. This is the idea that motivated his research. He was a man who believed in serving your community. This was evident in many ways, including his service as VFW Coast Commander for several years. Bob passed away just a few days after our meeting on May 29th. Such a critical reminder from Margaret Linford, the professional genealogist who wrote this wonderful, wonderful article, that we don't know when somebody may be gone. And to think that she took the added step. She gets this immense collection of genealogy. She sees the meticulousness and the joy that he had poured into it for years. And she's compelled to go and meet with him. Thank goodness she took action on that compelling feeling she had. And I encourage you, take action. Who are you reading about in your family history? What letters are you looking at? Which census records? Which documents? And who's still alive? Who is waiting to be talked to in your family? It could even be somebody a little bit younger than you. And yet, that's critical too. We don't know how long each of us has on this earth, whether you're young or you're old. Doesn't matter. This is the time. And this is the time to speak to each family member who has that precious story in their mind. Like Alex Haley said, you know, when someone passes, it's like a library burning down. Each of us has that unique library that we have built in our hearts and our minds throughout our lifetime, however long and short that is. And that's the library that you still need to visit. Margaret wraps up her article here and says that Bob's niece, Martha Catron, summed up Bob's character with the following description. Bob was someone who believed family was one of the most important things in life. He enjoyed visiting with family and getting to know each person individually and on a deeper level than most people feel comfortable with today. For Bob, taking time to visit, asking questions, and getting to know people was a way of life. Don't you love that? Is it a way of life for you? Are you incorporating your family history into your home? Are you hanging it on your walls? Are you pouring that love and commitment into the organization of it and the source citation? Are you sharing it? Are you reaching out to people who are still living and capturing their precious, unique library of memories before they're gone. And hey, you'll enjoy the conversation probably too, an awful lot, just like Margaret did with somebody she wasn't even related to. Bob sounds awesome. Don't you wish you could have met him 
I want to give big thanks to Margaret Linford, the professional genealogist over at the Smith County Genealogical Society in Virginia for introducing us to Bob and sharing him and preserving his legacy and the family and her community. That is something we can all strive very, very much to do. You can make a difference as well. I will have a link in the show notes to this wonderful article called String of Pearls, Marion's Bob White Shares Family History Collection. And this article includes the end of it, Margaret Linford's phone number and email if you want to get in touch with her. If you have any questions, if you heard a surname that you think may fall in your own family tree, you'll want to get in touch with her. Now, let's talk just a few more minutes about some of the takeaways and some of the resources that I've got for you that kind of tie into this article. If you are looking to video record a loved one telling their stories, and I I sure hope that you're feeling motivated to do so, I've got a couple of articles for you. One is how to video record a fantastic family history interview, and also how to create a family history video with, of course, one of my favorite tools, Animoto. I'll have links to those articles in the show notes. Also, if you're looking to digitize and share your research and your own life story. I sure hope you will. I've got several different articles for you that I'll uh, link to over there as well. I noticed that Roots Magic has publishing tools, both for print and online, built right in. So if you are a Roots Magic user like I am for your genealogy database, you might want to take a look at some of the publishing tools, how you kind of take all that work that you've been doing and let's get some of that printed out into some narratives, into some lists, into some reports and things that that bring some organization to it. And perhaps you could put that at the top of your, your notebook or file. And before I move on, I just want to add a little anecdote that Diane Southern passed on from a client that she has named Christine. And it reminds me that you can really get creative about sharing family history interviews. Now, here's what Christine did, okay? She she wanted to play some audio recordings that she had of oral history interviews that she conducted in her family. She came up with the most awesome visual aid to just bring these to life. Now, let me tell you here what she said to Diane. She says, Friday night, I brought out large cutouts of my grandmother, Christine Doring, sitting in an easy chair. So it looks like she's talking with you. And I played a recording done in the 1970s of her talking and giggling about coming to America in 1896 at the age of nine. For some... They had never heard her voice before. Wow. Wait till you see these pictures. Now, if you don't usually go to the show notes page, you gotta go directly to our website, to the show notes page for this episode. You will see this amazing photo of uh, one of Christine's relatives, and he's sitting in a chair in their living room. And for a moment, it looks like he's talking to this woman, but this woman's in black and white. And then you realize this is a life-size cardboard cutout that she had created. It is so cool. You've got to see this. Okay, then there's another one with a woman with her two children, and they're also sitting in the living room. She's got a whole family unit, and then she has this beautiful Victorian-looking couple in the house. Her photo, it looks to me, was only kind of bust height up. So she made it kind of life-size, but then she set it on the dining room table. 
I love genealogists' creativity. This stuff just rings my bell. This is what I'm all about. I love bringing creativity to family history. And whoa, I mean, how could any family member of Christine's come into her living room and just not be intrigued? She has truly brought these people to life. And I can imagine, even if you didn't have an audio recording, like I'm looking at some of these pictures, and some of these cutouts are people who probably didn't even live in the time when they may have been able to make an audio recording. But that's okay. You could have the the cardboard cutout, and then you could put an iPad on a little table next to it. And you could have playing a video. Maybe you make it in Animoto. Maybe you just make a simple slideshow. Have a fabulous video going of you narrating what you have found about them. What is their story? It doesn't have to be very long. And you could have the photos that you have, but in motion, you know, with the transitions and the movement. That's why I'm so into this Animoto tool, because it moves the pictures and it puts them into context of beautiful backgrounds. But even if you just use a free program like Windows Movie Maker, I mean, that would make a simple slideshow. Whatever you do, just do it. Because wow, when you see what Christine is doing with these cutouts, you can see that the sky's the limit in the ways in which you can make your family history compelling for your family. And like Bob, make your family history something that is truly treasured, the way Margaret Linford treasured his when it was brought to her. You know, hearing the archive lady talk about scrapbooks and then sharing Margaret Linford's story of Bob White kind of brings me back to our recent webinar that I told you about at the top of the show. We called it Reveal Your Unique Story Through DNA and Family History. And I kicked it off with my own story of how a scrapbook in my grandmother's home started me on my journey into genealogy when I was just eight years old. And while we were filming, you know, it really struck me. What a unique and privileged position that all of us are in to preserve our family's stories, to keep them really from being lost completely. I think genealogy really offers us a very special way to kind of make a difference in the world. And not just for our own family, but to make a difference to the families that came before us and the ones that are yet to come. I want to thank my podcast production team for making a big difference this week in this episode. Our contributing editor, Sunny Morton, production assistant and audio editor, Hannah Fullerton, and of course, your happiness service manager, Lacey Cook, who makes it all hum beautifully. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to sign up for our free newsletter. That's your job this week. Okay, welcome to the show. Sign up for the newsletter. Head on over to our YouTube channel. You got to subscribe to that because we've got tons of great videos that are free over there and lots of new ones coming. So that's at youtube.com slash genealogy gems. And the last thing you need to do this week is to download the genealogy gems podcast app on your mobile device so that you can take us with you everywhere you go. We are honored to come alongside you as you make a difference. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.